All right, Galatians chapter number five, we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit uh, together. And the Bible says in verse number 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We never stop loving ourself, but we tend to stop loving our neighbor, so we've got a long way to go. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Verse 17, the flesh lusteth. Verse 19, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. In verse number 20, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. The fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Heavenly Father, help us this morning. In this time that we have, we we now shift our minds from uh, war-torn circumstances, amazing what people are enduring today while we're so comfortable. And Lord, shift from the joy of seeing all of those souls assembled here in the gospel. And now, Lord, please help us just for a few moments to give our attention to your word as it's written. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name, and amen. So, it's it's a fact of life that there will be opportunities in your life and in mine to exercise hatred. There'll be opportunities in my life and in your life to be filled with wrath. There will be opportunities in my life and in your life to, to manifest strife. And if one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, there's only nine listed, that's, that's sufficient, but if one of those is long-suffering, then it must be that the Lord Jesus Christ in giving us the Holy Spirit anticipated that we would need not only love and joy and peace, But now we shift to something that is as much external as internal. Why would the fruit of the Holy Spirit be long-suffering if everyone in my life treated me like the royalty that I view myself as being? Why why would you need long-suffering if there weren't circumstances in your life or people in your life that caused you to suffer for a long time? And so it's, there's two aspects of this. One is God's long-suffering to us before we were saved. And it's, it's hard to even imagine what a holy God put up with in waiting for very unholy people to finally turn to Him. But we all thank Him for His long-suffering but then the outworking of that long-suffering in our lives once we are saved. And let's, let's move quickly through these this morning. 2 Peter chapter 3, we'll start there. 2 Peter chapter 3, and with it 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you find 2 Peter, get chapter 3 and then look for 1 Peter and chapter 3, or vice versa, but uh, 2 Peter and 1 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter 3, and let's start at verse number 14. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. 
Even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, uh, also in all his epistles. So Paul and Peter are in agreement on this. You wouldn't be saved, I wouldn't be saved, if the Lord wasn't long-suffering. No one would be saved if the Lord wasn't long-suffering. If the wages of sin is death, and it is, and one sin makes us sinners, and it does, if the soul that sinneth it shall die is Bible truth, and it is, then every one of us rightly should have been cast into hell the very first time we knowingly, willingly committed a sin against God. The fact that I was alive to commit my second sin is owing to the long-suffering of God. The fact that I was alive to commit my third sin, and then a year of sins, and then a decade of sins, and for some 20, 30, 40, 50 years of sins against God, Alive, eating and drinking, roof over our head, clothes on our back, God being good to us every single day, not so we could deceive ourselves into thinking God's all right with what I'm doing. Not so we could deceive ourselves into thinking I must be right with God or He wouldn't be blessing me like this. No, He's long-suffering. He is willing to put up with people for a long, long time. Otherwise, no one would be saved. Now, don't lose that chapter. We'll come right back to it. 1 Peter chapter 3. Here is an example. Here is an example. The Bible says in uh, verse number 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ suffered and bled and died in a body of flesh so that he could bring you to God? Now, look at verse number uh, 20. Verse number 20, which sometime were disobedient, uh, which once, uh, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. So here's the circumstance. The human race has reached the place where God cannot redeem it. The human race has reached a place where God cannot restore it to any semblance of normalcy, decency, safety, order. The entire earth is filled with violence. The thoughts of men's hearts are only evil continually from their youth up. And God says, I'm going to, to destroy every living, breathing thing on the earth. It's that bad. But I'll wait until an ark is built which is large enough to save anyone who repent and turn to me in faith. Now wait, God, God could have said, no ark, forget it, you're all doomed, I'm done with you. But he didn't. And he could have then said, I want to hire a crew of 30,000 men to build an ark in a month. But he didn't. He told one man and his three boys to take 12 decades to build an ark. You understand? The human race survived because Noah and his family got on the ark. Noah and his family got on the ark because God waited until they got an ark built. And everyone else could have been saved whom God needed to destroy to preserve the earth. 
But he waited 120 years to do it and had a man preaching the whole time the righteousness of God and the way of escape and Enoch backing him up preaching righteousness according to the book of Jude. Now what an amazing thing for God to say to, let's just say Noah's next door neighbor or the man that lives across the street from Noah. Uh, God, God says Enoch to preach and Noah to preach and says God is so fed up with all this sin he's going to destroy all of you. Well when? Well we're down to 118 years. Now look here, here's what I want you to see. There is no one living on the earth today that will live long enough for God's long suffering to expire. You won't live to be 120. If you make it to 105, the long suffering of God has given you that many years of opportunity to be saved. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Now, I don't know what sins you committed before you got saved. I, I, I don't want you to know what sins I committed before I got saved. I, I, and it wouldn't do any good to compare them because people say, well, that's a really bad sin. That's not such a bad sin. He's a terrible sinner. They're not a terrible sinner. You are comparing yourselves with each other. You're not comparing yourself with a holy and a righteous God who is, who is of purer eyes than to even look on, even to behold that which is evil. Every sin against God is a great offense to God. People suppose that it's not because, well, if God, if God doesn't like what I'm doing, how come he hasn't done anything about it? He's long-suffering. He suffers your manners. He suffers my manners as long as he possibly can because he wants to save you. Praise God. Look back in 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And verse number 7. The heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. If the earth is sentenced to be burned in a fire, if the heavens are sentenced to be burned with a fire, and if they have been so sentenced by a righteous God because they must be cleansed and purified because of all their sin, then why has God waited a thousand years and then another thousand years and then another thousand years and then another thousand years? You say, well, I don't think God's ever going to do anything because it's been so long. I'll tell you why it's been so long. Verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How about that? The earth is going to be burned because all men are such sinners that they must come to repentance. How about that? The heavens are going to be burned because all, all beings that have ascended from the earth and paid a visit and all beings that have, have been cast out of heaven and fallen have inhabited. Uh, and so God says, I, I'm just going to burn the whole thing up and start over again according to Isaiah 66, according to Revelation 21, 22. 
and you say, look at the wars, look at the crime, look at the stealing, look at the lying, look at the abuse, look at all these terrible things. Why doesn't God step in and burn this thing to the ground and start over again? Because somebody in those pictures isn't saved yet. Because somebody sitting in a church this morning, maybe here, isn't saved yet. God will put the necessary judgment of his entire creation on hold if you'll just come and get saved. As much as he wants to cleanse his creation of sin, his preference is to cleanse you of sin. If God had a choice this morning, now listen, if God had a choice this morning of getting rid of all the sin on the earth with one great big fire, or seeing one sinner come to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, save my soul. He will stop the judgment for a thousand years because he wants you to be saved. That's the long suffering of God. And you know who he's waiting for? You know why he's putting that off? For people that curse him every day, that blaspheme him every day, that ignore him every day, that break his commandments every day. He said, why doesn't God step in and do something with those wicked people? Same reason he didn't step in and do something to you. He wanted you saved. He wanted them saved. And we're all, anybody here today that's saved, it's because of the long suffering of God. Old Testament, just for a moment. Exodus chapter 34. In the Old Testament, second book in your Bible. Exodus chapter number 34. You say, why doesn't God stop Putin, why doesn't God stop Zelensky, for those of you that want equal time? Why, why doesn't God stop Republicans? Why doesn't God stop Democrats? Uh, look at all these horrible things that these drug cartels are doing and these masters of war are doing around the world. Why doesn't God stop them? Because you're not saved yet. That's why. You see, it, it, biblically, it's hard, to, it's hard to be biblical. Some of you, that's the longest you ever watched CNN. That, that slide was, was, uh, was up there. But, but, but biblically, I, I'm telling you, what's more important to God than stopping a war is seeing a soldier get saved, Amen. seeing a refugee get saved. We, we don't think in those terms because we don't value souls as much as God does. Look, 500, uh, 500 years from now, 5,000 years from now, There'll probably be no Odessa no matter what. There'll probably be no, no Orlando no matter what. But your soul will live on forever. Amen. So God is more concerned with saving souls than he is protecting cities. God gets blamed. Well, why doesn't God stop this? And why doesn't God stop that? Because to stop it, he'd have to eliminate the sin. And to eliminate the sin, he'd have to put all the sinners in hell. And he doesn't want to. See, he's, he's willing to let sinners keep doing sinful things, though it causes him to suffer. But he's willing to suffer long because he wants people to be saved. What a, what a God. What a merciful God. In fact, look at this, Exodus 34. He's meeting with Moses on the mountain, and he's going to introduce himself to the human race. And in verse number four, he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. Moses rose up early in the morning, went up unto Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. So God is going to write on those tables of stone, thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt do that, and thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt not do that. 
And God knows every commandment he writes will be broken the day it's written. And every day after. And he knows that every commandment he writes will be broken by every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that ever reads or hears those commandments. God knows that. He's writing rules of righteous conduct for people who are unrighteous. Verse number 5, And the Lord descended to the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and, and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Praise the Lord. When, when he, he, he used his finger, but when, as, as God begins, thou shalt have no other gods before me. <laughs> Good luck with that. You think God, who has watched man by the time of Moses for 20 centuries, you think God expects man to have no other gods before him? Of course not. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You think God expected, you know, if I just write it down, no one will ever lie again. God knows as he gives the commandments, they're going to be broken millions of times an hour. So here's what he said. <laughs> Moses, before you read the, the commandments, make sure they know who gave them. A, a Lord who is merciful and gracious and long-suffering. And when they have broken these commandments, and they will, and when they have broken them repeatedly for decades, and some of them will, you let them know, I'll forgive every one of their sins if they'll come to me. You let them know, I'll pardon all their transgressions if they come to me. What a God. What a Savior. Who are these fools that badmouth God? He's the most loving and gracious and merciful God there is. Well, he's the only God there is. But, but he's, he's so good to people who are so bad to him. Long-suffering. Look at 2 Timothy, back to the New Testament. Second Timothy now I have a question for you. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If that is so wonderfully true of God, who is the God who came to live inside you when you got saved? A different God or that same God? Would he have different character traits inside you than he has outside you? Or would he have the same character traits inside you that he has outside you? Well, then how many insults could you take before you became ungodly in your treatment of someone? How many times would they have to be cruel to you or rude to you or dishonoring towards you before you got in the flesh and acted with hatred or strife or wrath. 
You see, the Holy Spirit inside us wants to, well, Galatians 5, be formed in us so that the God who is willing to be sinned against for 50 years waiting for you to get saved enables you to be sinned against for 50 years and still be gracious and kind and merciful to the person sinning against you. And the flesh says, I've got every right to act like a fool. I've got every right to be in the flesh because that person, hold on. God ever had every right to put you in hell and sent the sunshine on your land and the rain on your land and put food on your table and put clothes on your back. And So this idea that I am, I am allowed to get out of the spirit and into the flesh because of an external factor is a complete denial of the God that we claim to be possessed by and belong to and, and directed by. It's not God. <laughs> I'm saved because God did not change his conduct based on my conduct. And the Holy Spirit in your life and the Holy Spirit in my life wants us to treat people properly regardless of how those people treat us. Well, yes, but they did it five times. Five times. Anybody here only sinned five times before you got saved? 500, 5,000, 50,000, 500,000, how about five million going once, going twice? Come on, come on. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, Verse number 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Evil men and seducers shall act worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Okay, so, so here's this man, Apostle Paul, here's this man who gives his life to live for Jesus and by virtue of that has given his life to live for others. And what does he get for it? Persecutions, afflictions, Evil man, seducing man, men waxing worse and worse, people deceiving and people being deceived. Paul said, I come there and the unsaved people beat my brains out and throw me into jail and the saved people lie about me and lie about my wife. Well, Paul didn't have a wife. And, and, then, and then other people believe the lies. You know what Paul said? If all I got is doctrine, I quit. But I've got, if I've got doctrine and long-suffering, I keep going. Paul's good doctrine didn't stop people from lying about him. Paul's good doctrine didn't stop people from causing upsets and troubles in, in churches. Paul's good doctrine didn't stop people outside the church from persecuting him. What kept Paul going preaching the gospel to lost people and teaching the truth of Christianity to save people was not his sound doctrine, it was his long suffering. Come on now. 
There is not a person here who is saved who is treated every day in every way they would like to be treated. And in fact, there are some people, maybe not in our church, but maybe in other churches, I'm just telling you right now, I know men married to women who are, are cheating on them day and night. And I know women who are married to men who are drunkards and treat them very badly. And I know boys and girls in church whose parents are, are reprobates. And those people just keep on serving the Lord Jesus Christ and keep trying their best to, to love the person that's hurting them so badly. You say, why? The Holy Ghost is capable of supplying you with long-suffering so that you can act toward others the way God acted toward you through all those years of insult and injury. Hallelujah! But it is so easy, so easy, to use the misconduct of others to justify our being in the flesh. And we want to argue, well, well, don't I have a right to be in the flesh? No. Well, isn't it understandable that I'm in the flesh? No. Well, let me, let me double down and tell you again why, I, have, why I, sh I should be in the flesh. No. You have the Holy Spirit of God. Because God was long-suffering towards you and waited for you to get saved. Amazing passages in the Bible. A man being told in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, don't leave that unbelieving wife, stick around and maybe she'll get saved. The woman in 1 Peter 3 being told, I know your husband disobeys the word of God, but exercise charity toward him so he can get right with God. That's what the Lord did for us. And it's how he wants us to, to conduct ourselves toward others. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're, we're right here, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And verse number 1, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. You say, why not just doctrine? Why does that have to be long-suffering and doctrine? Verse 3, for the time will come when they would not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. So you preach the truth, and preach the truth, and preach the truth, and somebody lies to a person, and they follow the lies right out the church. Your sound doctrine isn't going to keep you from quitting. Your long-suffering will. You understand? Somebody, somebody goes to Sunday school and they, they go to youth department and they make a profession of faith and they take some Bible school classes and then five years later they're in some false doctrine and some heresy. Your sound doctrine isn't going to keep you from getting the, your legs cut off when things like that happen, but long-suffering will. Long-suffering will. I'm going to tell you something. Well, we rejoice that when that that boy had been a prodigal. When he came home down that road, we rejoiced that he came back home. It was long-suffering kept the gate unlocked. It was, it was long-suffering that caused that fatted calf to end up on the table instead of in the, saw, in the, in the stall. That father, that father, he watched that boy leave. He watched that boy uh, ruin his, uh, waste his substance on riotous living. He had to hear all the stuff the neighbors said about that boy. He had to say all the stuff that the people that he knew uh, said about that boy. And then one day, that Bible says his father saw him a great way off. 
I think that man looking down the road every single day. You know why? Because he never allowed hatred and wrath to take hold of his heart, even as his own son ruined his life. That boy didn't just ruin his life, he ruined his daddy's life. But when his son came home, he threw his arms around him, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger. Isn't that amazing? You know, if the father gave that boy all he was entitled to when he left, that ring must have been something he wasn't entitled to. <laughs> father said, you, you, here, let me, uh, I gave you the, the good ring, but, but here, I got one left. And the son said, I don't deserve that. He said, boy, you never deserved anything. Give me your finger. He put that ring on his finger. They all started making music, carrying on. Long suffering, long suffering. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Do you know Paul used to persecute the church? You know Paul used to throw Christians in prison? Had some of them killed. Look what the Bible says here in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12. I thank, no, no, verse 11, let's, let's go here, verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust, 1 Timothy 1, 12, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. I keep hearing pain, what did I say? Let's say, all right, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 11. Hope you'll be long-suffering. First, first Peter 1.11. Did I say it again? It's a, it's a teleprompter. You know the thing. Somebody get me an ice cream cone. All right, I'm looking right at, it says right here, first epistle of Paul the Apostle to Timothy. It says it right there on the page. Need another infusion. Uh, first, first Timothy chapter 1, did I say it right that time? Now I'm afraid. Verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the, of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for the account of be faithful putting him into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy. I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So here's an ignorant, unbelieving, blasphemous persecutor injuring Christ's church. And he had mercy on him. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. The Holy Spirit had the Apostle Paul say, nobody, nobody wore 
without God's patience like I did. Nobody sinned against God to the extent I sinned against God. And I'm saved because his long suffering never played out. And I became, any of you ladies still so, I became the pattern. Any of you men work in construction, I became the pattern. Every one of us that is saved, we got saved according to that pattern. Sin and sin and sin and sin and God's mercy, mercy, mercy and more sin and more sin and God's long suffering and long suffering and long suffering and finally you said, Lord, I am sorry for my sin. Would you save me? And God thought you'd never ask. There's nothing I'd rather do than save your soul and forgive your sins. After all of that, Now, here's what I want to know. When are we going to allow the Lord to work in our lives so that our long-suffering is greater than our wrath and our strife and our envy and our variance? Come on. Has anybody ever committed the same sin against you 490 times in one day? Probably not. I mean, you'd have to really get with it. (laughs) Some guy sitting in the living room. 461. 462. And then, ding, midnight. Well, didn't make it. Look. If I'm supposed to be merciful, how often? If I'm supposed to be gracious, how often? If I'm supposed to be long-suffering, how often? The Holy Spirit wants you to stop telling Him you have a right to be in the flesh. Because it's never right to be in the flesh. One more, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So that's, that's the Lord's long-suffering toward, toward Paul and, and toward all of us in that he's the pattern. Now look at 2 Corinthians 6. Brother Mayer called on us to get involved in the, in the soldiering work, in, in the work of the gospel, the Christian life, the ministry. So look at verse number 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Don't let God's grace have no effect upon your life. For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Thank God. You saved? I'm saved. Anybody saved? All right. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. None of that sounds good. None of that is good. And all of that will knock you out of a relationship or a church or a ministry if you don't let the grace of God work in your life. Verse 6, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, 
by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true. Paul said, some people say I'm a truthful man, some people say I'm a liar. Some people say I'm a righteous man. Some people say I'm a deceiver. Some people say I'm trying to help people and be a blessing to them. Others just want to rip my face off. You know what I need? I don't need another cross-reference to end-time prophecy. I need long-suffering. I need to be able to be kind when kindness is not coming my way. And I need you to be kind when kindness is not coming your way from my direction. God said, I owed you hellfire. I offered you salvation. And I put up with everything you threw at me because I wanted to save you. Praise the Lord. Now, I live in you. I live in you. I want you to take everything people throw at you and continue to be gracious and kind and merciful. I can't do it. Stop letting your flesh speak for you. And let the Holy Spirit have His way in your life because the fruit of the Spirit is long suffering. In fact, if the days of Noah are the example, we could say it this way. The fruit of the Spirit is long suffering. How long? Lifelong. It's been my great joy to lead men and women to Christ in hospice care and nursing homes who were in their 80s and 90s. Do you know why they were able to be saved? God is long-suffering. He's long-suffering. You can almost, you see one of these precious little boys and girls, eight, nine years, and I want to get saved. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. You can almost see God say, oh, yeah, yeah, that, I, I want to save that, that, little, that little guy. He's, he's such a blessing. But how about this guy that for 85, 90 years been a cussing, swearing, stealing drunk? Lord said, did I, did I hear? Did I hear did you ask me to save you? I thought you'd never ask. What have you been waiting for? I don't know, Lord, what have you been waiting for? You! <laughs> what a God. Now listen, we all are thrilled with the knowledge that God puts up with us and never stops treating us well. Let's be thrilled with the knowledge that God can do that inside us. And we can put up with whatever comes our way without becoming carnal and fleshy. The fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Anybody need God to help you with that? He, he can. He will. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, help us Help us. Your Bible, it's so practical. It, it's right in our living room. It's right in our cars. Help us, God. We are so willing to give the flesh His place.
God, make us willing to give your spirit his place in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name and amen.